I'll shuffle who wants to cut. (laughs) I have enough here for the year. (laughs) Um, And some wonderful questions. Um, So I will, I will, filter through these and respond to what I can. Um, And the very first one I picked up was, but why? (laughs) So I'm going to set that aside. (laughs) There are quite a few along... um, along the lines of, why can't we all just get along? Um, And how do we come together across political differences, not only in the culture, but in marriages, in families? And how do we um, talk to each other across what it feels like insurmountable barriers or, or... unbridgeable divides. <laughs> I wish I wish I had an easy answer for that. I do think one of the things that we can do in a congregation is ground the conversations in what really matters. In my previous congregation, we had... Um, it started feeling to some like we were just an arm of the Democratic Party. And and we had our office right next to the Democratic Party headquarters, which didn't help at all. Um, and uh, people started saying, well, we just shouldn't talk about politics at church. And I said, well, that, that's going to be fairly impossible because we're talking about values, we're talking about principles, and the way that they play out in society is through politics. So I think we're going to talk about politics. Ideally, we're not going to talk about it in the language of cable news, where we set up point and counterpoint, and we kind of know where the discussion is going to go, and we've categorized each other into these immovable Um, assumptions about one another, but we can talk about it in the language of our principles. What does it mean to respect the inherent worth and dignity of every person? What does it mean to respect the interdependent web of all life? How does that turn into policy? And how do we balance, um, you know, opposing uh, values? So, not, not, a definitive answer, but I I do think that we have an opportunity here to bridge some of that divide in how we approach it. Because if we all agree on the core values, at least we have a place to start from. As a Lutheran, you were taught to memorize certain things. Is there a place for memorization in the UU faith? Yes. (laughs) we extinguish this flame but not the light of truth the warmth of community or the fire of commitment the things we repeat the covenant and mission that is 
hopefully so that those words just start taking shape within you. And once you hear the first couple words, you can take it from there because I think there's, there's something about um, those uh, principles that we express that we want to carry with us. And just like memorizing poems or passages from your favorite novels or, you know, uh, songs that you love, I think there's a, a, a comfort there, too. So while we don't um, have a catechism, per se, or um, I, hope that, I, I hope that there are things that um, you carry with you and that you remember. <laughs> Thank you. This was not a plant. Unitarians are not known as proselytizers. Do you think we should be more aggressive in reaching out to the community? Yes. <laughs> yes. If only to share with people you know that you come here and what you love about it. It doesn't have to be, you know, you should change your ideas or your beliefs to come here. It should be. This is part of my life, and this is why it matters to me. I've told the story before of, um, in my previous congregation, uh, a couple that came to church one time, and they had uh, um, guests with them. And these guests were friends that they had known for, I think it was over 11 years. Really good friends. And they had just found out that morning that they both attended Unitarian Universalist congregations. And they were all excited about it. And I said, what? (laughs) This never came up in all of your conversations before this? Um, Yeah, I I I, I think that phobia we've had about um, not wanting to evangelize has not helped us. Has not helped us. The the question is, do we have something here that we want to share with the world? And if so, then of course we're going to share that as best we can. And I think for Unitarian Universalists, part of what stops us too is that when we talk about going to church, the common question in this culture is, well, what, what do you believe? And we go, well, I believe, you know, but not everybody does, but some could. Or, you know, we try to answer that question. And that, and that it's not a valid question because we don't come together around a single set of beliefs, right? But it's, it's sort of a common Western uh, question about religions and traditions. So, you know, I would just say we... We don't gather around a single set of beliefs. We gather around a promise we have made to treat each other with respect and compassion. We gather around common principles and believe that we can come together across beliefs to make a difference in this world. Uh, But there are many more questions here. I better move on. Um, Wow. Is there any concept of worship in Unitarian Universalism? And a follow-up question, is this a church or a fellowship? 
Um, let me say there's not a, a probably a single concept of worship in Unitarian Universalism, um, but, they, but there's, there are things about worship that I think carry across congregations, that we come together um, to engage with that which is of uh, ultimate worth to us, that, that worship has to do with what is worthy what is most worthy in our lives, what the principles that we hold most dear, the things that call us into the future, the things that inspire hope, that we gather around those things. Because often people will ask me, well, if I don't believe in God, who or what am I worshiping? And I think of it less in terms of a subject as we, we are gathering around the, uh, you know, I've often said I call us a religious community, not because we agree upon the answers, but that we've agreed to engage the, what are commonly called religious questions together and to be with each other as we grapple with what those mean in our lives. Um, the piece about a church or a fellowship um, or a congregation, or a community, or a society. There are many names that uh, UU congregations use across the country and around the world. Um, there are historical references for some of these names. Fellowship had a specific uh, meaning in the history of Unitarianism, um, starting in the 50s, that was uh, trying to help and support um, congregations that were in somewhat remote areas that maybe didn't have a lot of people there or enough of a budget to support ministry but wanted to be a congregation anyway. And so uh, they were called lay-led fellowships, and, and there was a strong move to support those. And some of those have remained fellowships. Some of those now have... Uh, professional ministry but still call themselves fellowships. Some of them now have professional ministry and have changed to congregation or community. Um, it's really pretty um, wide open. And in uh, Minneapolis, Minneapolis area in Minnesota where, um, you know, where I did my internship and things, there were many societies. And that had a particular reference too. It was when the humanist movement um, really became popular in Unitarian Universalism, and they uh, chose society as a, a name for their gathering that was um, a little more distant from the sort of religious tradition of congregations or churches. So, uh, again, <laughs> I offer no definitive answer, only to say that they're, you know, that uh, Cambria is the community. Um, I think the Congregations nearby, uh, uh, Santa Barbara, I believe, is society. Yeah. So there are many names that we call our gatherings. <laughs> How many ties and stoles do you have? <laughs> <laughs> How do you select them? Um, 
with a lot of help from Hanji, I say, I don't know what I'm going to wear today. Today I felt like I needed extra coffee because of these questions coming at me. (laughs) Quite a few, um, but always looking for more. How good do we have to be? No matter how, how hard one tries, perfection is never reached. When is it okay to just say, enough, I'll go no further? And I didn't have time to sort all these, but there was another one about self-forgiveness that we sort of pay lip service to it, but how do we actualize it in Unitarian Universalism? In my experience, um, in ministry and in pastoral care, I think as individuals, we tend to be really hard on ourselves. Um, I know that the sort of the party line is that Unitarian Universalists don't do guilt. It's not true. It's part of the human experience. Guilt, shame. Um, but what I find is that sometimes the things we're telling ourselves are much more cruel than we would ever tell someone else, than we would ever tell a friend. So a lot of times I'll just ask people if, you know, a good friend of yours was in this situation, what would you say? And what they say is very different than what they're telling themselves. I think when we talk about the inherent worth and dignity of every person, I think a lot of times we need to feel that within ourselves. Um, and, and, you know, I was, raised, uh, I was raised Lutheran, and I come from um, Midwestern, Scandinavian, Lutheran roots. When we read the passage in the Gospels where Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. That was interpreted as, if you loved your neighbor half as much as you love yourself, everything would be fine. (laughs) And it took me a long time to realize that that had to do with a, a healthy love for the people that we are. And that it starts from there. And that a lot of the people that are putting out pain on others, it's because there's a lot of pain in themselves that hasn't been, um, hasn't been dealt with. One of my favorite quotations is from Richard Rohr. I'm pretty sure that's where I got it from. He says, pain that is not transformed is pain transmitted. So unless we sort of grapple with that pain in ourselves, we're just going to keep giving it out to others. But I, I, and I do think, and you know, um, the the, uh, Jewish uh, traditions of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur are wonderful times for for us to sort of do that self-introspection and um, ask for forgiveness from others. And I, d- I do think um, Unitarian Universalists sort of in the move to pull away from uh, 
some of our religious roots went a little far in not taking along some really meaningful rituals that can sort of help us um, help us in worship really grapple with these things. Uh, boy. I might as well grapple with this head on. Do you believe in God? Please explain. (laughs) Oh, but look at the time. (laughs) This better be my last one, actually. I didn't realize time was going so fast. And and the follow-up question is, what do you believe happens after death? Uh, you know, I often avoid this question, <laughs> um, and partly that is because we are a community that comes across comes across many different beliefs about the nature of God, the existence of God, um, the afterlife, and I wouldn't want to unduly influence that personal journey that people are on, you know, by saying, oh, our minister believes in God or doesn't believe in God or is a Christian or is a Buddhist or is a, um, I try and um, hold all of those just because I believe it's so important and that there's uh, much to be learned from all of those traditions. I will say that my own understanding of Unitarian Universalism tends to be that it, it, there's not a focus on the afterlife. Um, we, are, we are more focused on life before death than life after, which doesn't mean that we don't come from a variety of places about what we believe happens afterward. We, don't, we just don't spend a lot of time sort of holding that up as a community, a particular vision of that. Um, uh, Thoreau, a story is told about Thoreau when he was dying and a friend asked him, because he was sort of fading in and out of uh, uh, being present to this friend, and he said, you know, do you, do you see the next world? What can you tell me about the next world? And supposedly Thoreau replied, one world at a time. I think that's kind of that that's my unitarian universalism that right now we're in this world. Um, as far as belief in God, I've gone through many uh, changes about that. I tend to shy away from um, talking about a belief in God because I feel like culturally it's just been so misused that God is sort of used as this backup to believe whatever it is that I want to believe. Um, but that's, that's more of a political, social thing. I did, sometimes I think the, if there was a God, the most reverent stance toward that God would be silence rather than trying to explain what God is like or um, all of that. Um, so again, I think I think while 
do you believe in God is, a, is sort of a central question in some religions. I don't think it's the most central question for us. Where do you find hope? Uh, what do you do when you are in painful situations? How do we reach out to one another? What inspires us? The answers to that in this congregation may include God, may not include God, um, but I think the answers always bind us together. Um, so, so right now, <laughs> at this moment, um, I would say my my belief or disbelief in God is kind of beside the point. The question is, what am I? What am I? How am I living? And how am I going to uh, respond to this life that's been given to me? I will say, because there was another question about um, why Christianity isn't mentioned more from the pulpit while other religions are. Um, I, you know, I'm not always aware of um, the balance of that, but I will say I always draw from my religious roots that Christianity is is part of who I am. And though I have wandered from those beliefs, and most especially the belief that there was only one way to God, which brought me to Unitarian Universalism, um, which was much more expansive. But I draw from those roots, from you know the Bible stories I grew up with and, and all of that. All right, I better stop talking because <laughs> you're all going to say, we're ready for circle supper, lunch. Um, thank you very much. I only got through a very small uh, part of these questions. I will keep them around <laughs> for future use and maybe to inspire future sermons. And we will do this again sometime. <laughs> but thank you. <laughs> thank you all for taking part. And right now, I would ask you all to join, uh, stand as you wish and join in singing number 354, I believe. We laugh, we cry. <laughs>